Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Plank Show. We are on the road as we are every single Thursday. With Caven's group. 405-573-3048. See, I told you it's very weird, right? I don't even know what that is. How many pages are there? Oh, a lot. I'm sorry. So, the first thing that happened whenever I came in to, to work this morning, or I came into Caven's, it's like work. Came to Caven's is I got something from, uh, let's just say, a very close family member, and they said, hey, will you print this for me when you get to work? And I was like, sure, I'm on remote today. I'll have to ask Gary and Amanda if it's okay. I'm like, fine, I'll just come by and get it. And w- when I went to ask Amanda, the first voice you hear when you call Caven's, Emergency response at Cavens Group, 405-573-3048. What do you think Amanda says? She's like, sure, absolutely, I'll print that for you. We're like family. I didn't know it's going to be like 10 pages. I'm sorry. Holy smokes. Uh, will you will you go to work, Josh, and will you, will you print this uh, digital book that I bought just so I can have a paper copy of it? Absolutely. Happy to print the digital book for you. <laughs> How you doing, man? How was your Wednesday night? What's up, man? Good morning. Uh, it was a great night. And how was yours? It was good. It was good there. You know, I, I find maybe you guys are like me. Maybe I'm alone on this. But I find during the football season to get very, very spoiled when there's not like a game on. So, for instance, you know, Tuesday night and Wednesday night, You know, we'll push back against non-Saturday and Sunday games a lot in the NFL and in college football. But, like, last night, I'm flipping around. It's like, what is this? Why is there no football on last night? So I found myself digging quite a bit into Iowa State, Josh, and I found it to be um, interesting maybe is the best way to put it, I think. If you could say that, um, if you were to use the term like, man, a carbon copy, carbon copy Iowa State team, this would be, this would be the, the the typical traditional Iowa State football team that's coming in, right? This is under Matt Campbell. This is what you have consistently seen from Iowa State over the last, what is this like his eighth year already at, at Iowa State? It's it's a team where outside of maybe one year, maybe one year, when they had, you know, Brock Purdy, Hakeem Butler, I, I think David Montgomery was in on the tail end of that. But even if he wasn't, Bryce, uh, Brees Hall was right there. You know, they, they traditionally have been a, a defensive-oriented team that has you know, struggled to move the football offensively. And, you know, this might be the most intriguing example of that we've ever had. Right? This is, I mean, it's it's four weeks into the season. We're entering week five. And, Josh, what is a forgotten story around Iowa State, right? The gambling probe. Now, I'm sure whenever you're dealing with things in the world of, you know, covering Iowa football every single day, I'm, I'm sure it's talked about a little bit more. But it is kind of wild how little we've heard from this and how this team has just had to basically go out and be like, no, no, it's, uh, it's time to adjust. And they've, it seems to me that they have, right? It, it seems to me that they have.
But again, it's a story that it's a story that's just kind of disappeared, right? Hey, guess what? Your star running back, your star quarterback are out, and you've got to uh, you got to find a way to work around it. Good luck, everybody. And it seems like they have. So I guess my point is, in my digging into Iowa State, typical Iowa State team under Matt Campbell, really good defensive football team. But it just – now, I don't know if something clicked last week against Oklahoma State or if that was just going up against a bad defense, whatever it was. They had a quote-unquote offensive breakdown in a good way. I mean, a breakout, I guess I should say, instead of breakdown. Oklahoma State had a defensive breakdown. But Oklahoma, Iowa State seemed to have an offensive breakout last week. So – was that a, a one-hit wonder, or is this a team that's starting to find its rhythm in the midst of the type of scandal to start the season that could absolutely submarine most teams? We're going to find out this week, right? And, you know, probably outside of just, hey, can Oklahoma straighten out the running game a little bit this week? Oklahoma's defense versus an Iowa State team that has, for the most part, struggled offensively to start this year. That would be, you know, kind of the other big thing I'm watching for come Saturday is does Oklahoma make Iowa State look like a team that has a bunch of offensive struggles? If, if OU's as good defensively as we think they're starting to become or might be right here right now, then uh, it should play out that way. Obviously, Jalen Noel, ha- having him back uh, was, was important for them. Rocco Beck probably is starting to settle in a little bit. And, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, uh, you know, you look at them and – no-brainer, you think about the gambling probe. If you had Deckers to start the season, the Iowa game maybe plays out differently. Maybe they win that thing. At Ohio, you would expect to be a little bit better offensively that day, Plank. But I don't know that this team is radically different if they have Deckers at quarterback. You look at their their rushers. They've got you know the leading rusher on this team is Cartavius Norton. He's got 126 yards. Right. right now. So it's not like they're running the football all that great. They've really only got the one pass catching target that they feel all that great about. So they they've got some some offensive problems. I do agree with you. I mean, defensively it looks like looks like a really good defense. Yeah. It it looks like it. But again, this this is really hard to figure out last week. I think that's and we touched on it a little bit on yesterday's program, right? We talked about Oklahoma State and its struggles. Well, what did OSU do on Saturday that they hadn't done all season long? They ran the football. Well, stuck with one quarterback would be the obvious answer, right? But they ran the football. You know, an Oklahoma State team that had, I think, struggled would be a a kind way to put it, that had severely struggled running the football early in the season suddenly broke out with a a 100-yard rusher against Iowa State. Now, I don't know if that that says more about Oklahoma State's offensive line figuring things out or if that says more about maybe Iowa State's run defense. Against Central Arkansas, Oklahoma State averaged 3.2 yards per carry. As a team, they didn't even run for over 100 yards. Against uh, Arizona State, a little bit better. As a team, 113. Total yards, 3.6 yards per carry. And their best, I guess you could say, team rushing total came against a Central Arkansas team that, well, let's, uh, let's just say took it on the chin to North Dakota State two weeks ago. Again, I'm not, here to, I'm not here to try to make this pile on Oklahoma State, 
it's just, it's a mystery to me with Iowa State with what appears to be such a really good defense, right? But yet here's Oklahoma State that goes out and gets a 100-yard rusher on them. And if it's not for, you know, Allen Bowman's turnovers, you know, Iowa State might be heading into this game in a in a much different situation than they appear to be right now, right? Could have been a three-game losing streak. But now, as you said, Josh, you got Rocco Becht, who's, I guess, turned things around a little bit. Maybe he's taken him a couple of games. He's close to 1,000 yards on the season. Um, a team that has struggled running the football, as you brilliantly pointed out, but what, what what do we take from that game against Oklahoma State, right? How much how much of that numbers wise carries over to Saturday? Right? How much how much of that from a turnaround for the offense, hey, a little frustrating on the defense, how much of that either signals something new or again was a shot in the dark for Iowa State? That that's what I'm perplexed by whenever I've been prepping for this. Well, my hope is that there's again not a ton of carryover because I look at it, and Iowa State, you know, Sanders rushes 15 times for 58 yards for a 3.9 average. Hanson mm-hmm. uh, four times for 10. That's two and a half average. Norton just a couple of times for a, a buck and a half a pop. That ain't going to get it done, I don't think, against Oklahoma. If you can't run the football against OU, the secondary guys for Oklahoma is – they're improved. The, the defensive backfield, the linebackers' coverage – all of that uh, appears to be improved for Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, they've been susceptible here and there, OU has. But typically, you know, you give up a first down or a chunk play, they've tightened up, Plank. That's been the story for Oklahoma so far. So I don't know that there's a 350-yard day for Becht with three touchdowns if they can't run the football. Agreed. Agreed. That's a really good point. So Iowa State this weekend, thoughts, question mark. Or maybe we need to accept Josh at 914 here on the Plank Show, as I was listening to Steelman and Thune yesterday. Which, by the way, I wanted to apologize to Parker Thune and Mike Steely because the fact that I ended the show with 30 seconds of mentioning some numbers from front office sports on the impact that Taylor Swift had on the Chiefs ratings (laughs) and Travis Kelsey jersey sales. Apparently, that triggers some of you to the point where you have to lose your mind and can't handle it for 30 seconds. People act like we welcome you back to the show and are like, dude, let me tell you something. I'm really excited about this new album Taylor Swift's going to drop whenever Travis Kelsey breaks up. Let me hear from you, Swifties. Calm down. It's a major story. It's the biggest entertainer in the world who is dating one of the more vibrant personalities we've ever had in this sport. It's a story. It's fun. My gosh. Some, oh, no, how dare you? Why if I have to hear about it again? You heard about it for 30 seconds. Chill out. Quit yelling at Parker and Steelman about it. But, sorry, little sidebar. Just had to make sure I protected. And, by the way, thank you, Parker and Steelman, for the kind words. Other radio stations I've been on before would pile on, or on this station, and might take cheap shots at you. You do not, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but with that said, Josh, I heard part, I heard Steely talking about it, and I think it's the mindset of this whole fan base right now. All right, this is Iowa State. Iowa State sucks. Iowa State stinks. They lost to Ohio. They're 2-2. Two and two. Mm-hmm. Sure, they beat Oklahoma State at home. Oklahoma State stinks. I don't care about this game. I'm on to Texas, right? You know that's not the mindset of this team, right? 
But Steelman said, hey, listen, I trust the team's got it. You're right, Steely. I trust they do too. But I think if you were to poll a majority of the fans, everybody's like, yeah, this is good. This is the precursor to what we've been waiting for. This is the precursor to the week where we expected to be 5-0, and and you hope you're going to be 5-0 and heading into Oklahoma and Texas. You're a, a massive favorite this weekend. But to me, Josh, I just I kind of feel like this isn't even like an appetizer. This is this is this is kind of like a I'm still I, we're just waiting around we're waiting around to get our table. <laughs> the the Iowa State game is kind of the waiting room game. It's like okay we're good we everyone healthy we good Canik back all right great let's go. And it's just there's so much anticipation with what both Oklahoma and Texas have done leading into uh, the the weekend and again. Both have very challenging tests. Iowa State has come in here before and beaten good Oklahoma teams. Iowa State came in and beat an Oklahoma team that had a Heisman Trophy winner and probably should have gone to the national championship game. Hell, Josh, probably should have won a national championship whenever David Montgomery came in here and went crazy, right? Uh, Texas is playing the team in Kansas that used to be kind of the butt of every joke, right? Oh, Texas lost to Kansas. And now you look up in Kansas as one of the three undefeated teams left in the Big 12. Like, whoa, oh, okay. Uh, all right. All right, with, I see what's going on. With a legitimate argument to be made, hey, do they have the best quarterback uh, out of anybody in the Big 12? And certainly in that discussion for Jalen Daniels, if not, you know, if you're going to go Gabriel, if you're going to go Ewers or whichever direction you want to you head there, Jalen Daniels, they got a good signal caller. They do. They really do. So I'm not – I'm not trying in any way, shape, or form to diffuse that energy towards next Saturday. I'm feeling it with you. I think everybody does. Even if it was, you know, we Oklahoma went in there with two losses last year, but you still had a lot of juice. You still loved the OU-Texas game. Unfortunately, didn't go Oklahoma's way. But there is just so much thirst, I think, to right that wrong that it's almost as if you're like, hey, let's plank. Will you stop with this Iowa State talk? What are we even doing right now, right? <laughs> it's just this mindset for so many. And I'm not, again, I'm not complaining about it. It's fine and it's understood. It's just I'm sitting here breaking down Iowa State. I'm doing this pregame show. Uh, you and I are talking about it for the first 20 minutes of the show today. And I'm willing to bet, uh, I'll bet I'll go to that text line. There's not a single person with a take on Iowa State, right? It's just, it's okay. Where are we and how? How are we going to match up against Texas? What do you guys think? And there's nothing wrong with that. I was um, I was leaving the station yesterday. I was leaving the station. I was driving out. There was um, was there someone who got sick in front of the the building, or there was something with the the fire department was there? Yeah, right. Yeah, did you see that? I did. All right. So as I'm leaving, I have the highest level of respect for first responders. And I really don't think there's many of you out there that are like, I'm not trying to act like I'm better. I, I care more about the troops than you do. Isn't that Barry? Isn't that Barry sport or sports talk Barry's thing? He loves the troops more. He loves the but troops. He loves the troops. I love the first responders. I think in a in a previous life I was supposed to be a fireman. Maybe I could uh, maybe I could follow my buddy Jay's path, and I could in my next life be a fireman. That, maybe that's what I need to do. But as I was leaving, um, I, I rolled down my window as the fireman and the ambulance was there helping them out. And I'm like, hey, you guys need some water or anything. Fully expecting them to say, no, we're okay, but ready to stop my car and run in and get a bunch of bottles of water if necessary. Right? I was there. 
And the fireman, who had an awesome mustache, said, no, no, man, we're good. You want to know what the next question, what the very next thing he said was? What? So we're going to be Texas next week, right? <laughs> That's great. And I was like, I hope so. <laughs> he, he, so, I mean, it's just that. That's fine. That's fine. If Oklahoma is who we think they are, they handle business on Saturday night. Right? They roll over Iowa State. They, they don't just squeak one out. They shut them down, and you go get a dub. But I think mentally, Josh, and maybe this was even from the start of the season, is it fair to say that just getting unscathed to next week is what has mattered most to people? Just be 5-0 and heading into OU Texas week. Absolutely. The schedule itself, there wasn't anything on paper particularly nerve-wracking. We, That's right. There was a blip on the radar where it said, okay, maybe this, this trip to Nippert Stadium is more challenging than we thought. And, sure. you know, I, in some ways it played out that way for Oklahoma. But it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't a gigantic test for this football team. So the expectation was always, yes, 5-0, and get to the Cotton Bowl, and, and then uh, go make amends for last year. We got a big show on tap for you today. We got a lot to get to. Now, Thursdays, we get an opportunity to give you a sneak peek into Coach's Corner. Again, sometimes it drops early on ESPN Plus. And in fact, I think, I think it's already available for Sooner Vision on ESPN Plus subscribers. But the radio version, Gabe and I, airs tonight live at 7 o'clock, 7 to 8. And I can't wait at 10 a.m. For you to hear Emory Jones talk about the mindset that he wants from his wide receivers. When I tell you, did I say Emory Jones? I, oh, I almost did that on the air. Emmett Jones. Emmett Jones, the mindset for his receivers. When I tell you, Josh, that I was ready to run through a wall whenever he was done, I was ready to run through a wall when he was done. When he talked about, you know, I, again, going back, I, was, I, list, I got to listen to like all of Steely and Thune yesterday. I was driving around, so I got to listen to like all of their show. Someone had texted in and asked, all right, let's let's go through. What are the position groups that surprised you that are better than you thought? What are the position groups that are worse than you thought? What are position groups that still concern you? And you know me, Josh, I love that kind of stuff. So I'm playing along talking to the car radio while I'm driving. And they got to receiver, and both of them like, receivers have, they've excelled, I think, beyond anyone's expectation, right? Based on what you thought you had coming in, to the season, or let me rephrase that. Based on the amount of talent we knew this team had coming in to the season, but the production that really hadn't been there, right? You knew the the level of talent. You knew the level of potential. The talent, unquestioned. The production, questioned. I feel like it's reached the point now where the receivers have been so good. I mean, people don't want tight ends on the field. <laughs> no, that might be the tight end production. But it just it shows you how good – that receiving group has been even when you graduated dude off to the National Football League. I'd like to continue to see, you know, the Nick Andersons, Jaden Gibsons, Petaways, on and on and on. I'd like to continue to see that depth Agreed. develop for Oklahoma, but Andrell Anthony, Farouk, Stoops, I mean, what you've got right there, and we, we think we've seen now, right, Nick Anderson start to turn that corner. Bottom line, yeah, for a position group that had questions coming in, and that, honestly, if we power ranked, if we had the conversation, hey, what is going to be an outright disaster for Oklahoma as a position group in 2023? Mm-hmm. 
wide receiver would have been some people's choice, and it hasn't played out that way. Mm. All right, let's get rolling. Let's get rolling. It is a Thursday edition of the Plank Show. As always, we are at Cavens Disaster Response Group, 13 years in business, available on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just search Cavens Group or go to twitter.com slash Cavens Group. Uh, mold removal, emergency water extraction, and structural drying. Gary and his crew have you covered 24-7, 365. It's the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the ref right here on the Home of Sooner Fans with Josh on Plank. At 10 a.m. this morning, we're going to hear from Emma Jones and Brandon Hall. They're on Coach's Corner. It's always exciting. Are you excited at all about Thursday Night Football? Lions and Packers? I think it's a pretty good matchup. It is a pretty good matchup. Nice little uh, early season. Who's going to grab the lead in the NFC North? Hmm. Uh, can I ask a Cruton question from you real quick? You may. What is um, what is this David Stone, Missouri stuff? Is it all BS or is it something we should be keeping an eye on? I think it was just uh... – a Missouri fan account's response to Oklahoma fans uh, believe okay. that Winnery's going to flip and uh, here's one okay. right back at you. And then it sort of took on a life of its own is my yeah. understanding. Yeah. That's usually whenever a, whenever a recruiting Twitter spat tumbles into my timeline, it's one of two people's faults. It's either, well, actually three. It's either Travis's fault. It's either Andrew Sooner Soup guy, or it's Jackie wins. So any any time there is a a recruiting fight that tumbles into my timeline, that's usually why. And last night, I think it was the, I think it was Sooner Soup guy was just wearing this dude out. So you're telling me not to worry about it right now. No concerns. That's right. On this uh, September twenty eighth, twenty twenty three, year of our Lord twenty twenty three. That's right. <laughs> Uh, not not worried this morning. Well, maybe it wasn't Andrew. There's some SMU guy. I think is is no, no. It's not an SMU guy. It is um. It's like this recruiting dude that just makes stuff up, right? And so everyone's just been crushing him. Regardless, uh, if I have zero concerns, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> but then I I don't think I would be too worried about it either. All right, so tonight. You get the Lions and the Packers. Tomorrow, get a pretty good slate of college football games, actually. Uh, kind of a rando Friday night with a few good matchups. You get Oregon State in action, who I guess is good. I guess DJ Uyunglele is the truth. You get Oregon State taking on Utah tomorrow night. I was thinking about that game for my lock, Josh Helmer. Tonight you get my Golden Hurricane in action against the University uh, against Temple University. Uh, th- I was thinking about this game as a lock too. Tulsa minus three and a half. But every single time I pick TU, it usually ends up working against me. But I uh, I, I didn't notice on the Ref Royal Rumble, you went ahead and submitted your picks very early this morning. Yeah, let's just let's just get it out of the way. Okay, all right. You wanna you wanna talk about it? 
Sure. Florida, I think, is uh, more talented across the board than Kentucky, so I'm just going to take them straight mm-hmm. up and not think about it again. It's All right. It's like uh, a weight has been lifted. Okay. That, that, that lock pick has been made. And then, uh, well, obviously, you know the quarterback situation at A&M. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to roll with Arkansas to, to pull it off at Jerry's World. The – yeah, you're, someone just hit me up on the text line. Said the real Thursday night football game is Temple versus Tulsa in Tulsa tonight. That's right. Need to get in. Yeah. I, I hope OU fans that uh, maybe bought season tickets in order to get OU tickets. If you don't go to the game, there's thousands of people in town that would love to go. Make those tickets available, please. Pretty please for me. Um, and you're right. That's the Thursday night game that matters. Here's the question. Here's where I'm struggling. Because I'm down to three games for my upset special. Now, yesterday, Billy Lucci put out on Twitter.com, or I guess it's now the X, whatever. Formerly known as Twitter. That Connor Wegman was out for the season. And that the foot injury that he was suffering will cost him the 2023 campaign. Now, I guess my question is, was it already known that he wasn't going to play before that information went public? I mean, was it assumed that he was out for this Arkansas game before that started to make the rounds or no? I'm going to assume that uh, a lot of people kind of felt that way just because the line hasn't really moved. There you go. That's my point. I mean, you would have to think that this line was set with the idea that Connor Wegman wasn't going to play, right? It Yes, it appears that way. I don't know. Trusting Arkansas scares me. Oh, it it should scare you. <laughs> okay, so here's my three games that I'm thinking about. So, in other words, to, to fully recap that, A&M is without Connor Wegman, who had, had been off to a really nice start in the 2023 season despite a loss. And now they'll rely on Max Johnson whom when last we saw Max Johnson, the current Texas A&M starting quarterback, had been playing at LSU and was battling for the starting job there. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't wasn't Max Johnson? No, no, because 2020, so yeah, the year after. Max Johnson was supposed to be the guy at LSU. And in fact... I had an offensive player of the week performance during his freshman season at LSU. And then transferred last year to A&M and really hasn't seen the field much. This will be just his fourth start as a member of the Texas A&M Magazine. Irregardless, Josh, even though it's a word that doesn't exist. Here's that, that game's on my ledger, and I think it should be for everyone that's thinking upset special. Arkansas is currently listed as a six-and-a-half-point underdog to Texas A&M. This is updated odds. And in a wild, wild, wild coincidence, both the percentage of the bets and the percentage of the money are shaded at 54% towards Arkansas, which isn't massive. The second game I've been thinking about scares me, and I hope that I hope that he doesn't take this personally because you know I do love Drake Dyken 
like he's the brother I never had. But I love Josh Duke getting points at home against Notre Dame. Duke is a five and a half point dog at home to Notre Dame. And before you dump on Duke, breaking news, Duke might be pretty good. They're 4-0 on the season, and they've already beaten Clemson. And I think they're 4-0 against the spread, too, this year. And Clemson showed us last week. I mean, that, that was a nice performance, obviously, versus Florida State. Losing in overtime, it's uh, it's not the Clemson we've known because that's right. guess what they've lost a couple of times. But that, still pretty that, good. You know, through the grapevine by proxy, that's a, a nice little feather in the cap for Duke. Not bad at all, right? And then speaking speaking of Clemson, Josh, they're going to Syracuse, a team that has historically played them pretty well, as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, for those of you new to the station and new to the ref, the, um, the rule here is that you have to pick an underdog of five or more points, and they have to be an outright r- winner to get your point total. I think I'm the only guy that's hit multiple underdog picks this year. I could be wrong. I don't care. Yeah, it's basically uh, who could pick the most underdogs contest. Right. Who can throw the more darts at a dartboard <laughs> and get it correct is kind of the way I like to look at it. But I'm thinking Syracuse here. Am I crazy? Yeah, I think so. I think, you think Clemson, so? Yeah, I do. I think this is the week where – it's shown that, uh, hey, Syracuse is good. They're improved. But uh, it took them a while to get started last week, too. Syracuse and Clemson have only played 11 times. 11 times. Syracuse has, won, or has lost five straight and only, I mean, it was a six-point game last year in Clemson. They lost by three at home in 2021. The last win was on that Friday night in 2017. I'll never forget. I was in Dallas. It was the Friday before OU Texas. Teddy and I were watching it from a sports bar. It was awesome. And Syracuse won that game 27-24. The only other Syracuse win, Josh, against Clemson came in the like the Gator Bowl in 1995. <laughs> so what you're telling me, not only history, but also a little track record might skew you away from that. Yeah, and I just think – I just th- still think Clemson's pretty good. Okay. 93% of the money is on Syracuse for this game. See, and that should terrify you. Too many people on them, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think there's a chance Clemson goes up there and, and kind of gets a convincing win. They need it. They need it. All right. Well, I just – I was very – you know, jo- oh, God, but keep, keep in mind, I talked you out of West Virginia last week, so do not do, take none of my information. Okay, but see, you balance it out. You did talk me out of West Virginia. You are very confident about that, very confident, which you need to be. But you also gave me Jalil Farouk as my spotlight player two weeks ago. Well, I know a little bit more about Oklahoma than I know about the rest of these folks. <laughs> All right, texts are next, 405-651-3439. It's the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, to the uh, text line on a Thursday from Cavens, it's the Plank Show on the ref. Cavens Emergency Response Group, 
3048. Big Bad Wolf asks, what are the uniforms for Saturday? Uh, yeah, you know. Unity? You think? I is that the rumor? I, I don't know if it's a rumor. I can't. Uh, I didn't dig uh, deep enough into it. I didn't uh, investigate thoroughly, but uh, I did see one tweet with somebody tweeting the Unity uniform. So what, whatever that means. No, okay. It's probably I, I'm mean here for anything. it. <laughs> well, it's the same as uh, who was it? Was it my man Brad in Bartlesville who yesterday said, "Well, you know, the captains for this week do include uh, Tawi Walker, so maybe he'll get more carries." Got to but, right. Rondell Bothroyd, LV Bunkley, Shelton, Key Lawrence, Marcus Tripling, and, and Tywee Walker are the five captains for this weekend. Speaking of Brad in Bartlesville, he asks, how is Oregon State favored as the 19th ranked team in the country over number 10 Utah, who's 4-0? Doesn't make any sense. Well, I think it's twofold, Brad. Number one, it's in Corvallis. And number two, we still don't know the status of Cam Rising. And Utah's offense was struggling last week against UCLA. So that's why. Boy, the Pac-12 sure picked a heck of a season to have one of their best years, didn't it? Congratulations on disbanding, Pac-12. Go out are absolutely incredible this year. I also, I know that this is kind of wild, but after what they did last week to Washington State, Josh, I kind of think Oregon State might be pretty good. They they have been pretty good. They were good last year, and looks like, uh, yeah, they might be uh, again this season. This would be for them, yeah, a nice little win in that direction to be like, all right, yeah, Oregon State's pretty good. DJ didn't have big completion percentage numbers last week, nor has he this year. Get this. You, you want a quick little – because there, there's two quarterbacks that are playing in the Pac-12 right now where uh, an SEC and an ACC power, if you will, and everyone's waiting for that moment to be able to say, gosh, can't believe you gave up on him. It's Jane Rashad at Arizona State, right, who's been dinged up, and DJ Uyunglele at Oregon State. Everyone's ready to just pile on Billy Napier at Florida if Rashada blows up at Arizona State. And everybody's ready to pile on Dabo if things blow up in a good way for uh, DJ. But in his first two games of the season, Josh, DJ was 28 for 38 with 346 yards passing, five touchdowns and no picks. Impressive, right? In his last two games, he's 31 of 64 with two touchdowns and two interceptions. Ouch. Maybe coming back to earth a little bit. But fair point, Brad. That is one of those schedule, uh, one of those numbers that kind of kind of scratch your head a little bit. Like, hmm. Brazilian Sooner gets us back to Sooner football with a very good question. Josh, do you think PJ will get more playing time the rest of the season? His snaps have increased, and he is getting better since he was having to hold him on several plays. Um, Yeah. I mean – Bryn Venables even said it, right? Have you guys heard the promo with Ted? I think you hear it on the on the 1400 signal. I don't know if you get it streaming too. I think you do. Trey can correct me. 
But oh, I'm sorry. Oregon State lost to Washington State last week. That's my. I, I apologize. It's 405. Thing. They, uh, they had they the loss a, to Washington State. They, now, they now had a heck of a rally at it, but uh, didn't, you. didn't quite get it done. My bad. My bad. The loss, but it was not a bad loss because it didn't drop them out of the rankings. Thank you. My bad. Forgotten bowl, so you forgot about the result. I forgot about sense. it. My bad. Thank you to the 405 for correcting me. <laughs> Three and one, not four. No. Um, what was the question? PJ. PJ, at at a Bowery, at a Bowery, but it, PJ. I think he's going to play more, but in that same vein, I, I don't think you're suddenly going to go on Saturday and he's trotting out with the starters. I think you're going to see him in his role. You know, I, I don't know about you, Josh. I thought, I thought, I felt like I saw Marcus Stripling out there a little bit more on Saturday. Like I didn't look at the snap totals, and I know you have them, but I felt like if if you were looking at guys who just appeared to be around the football more. Reggie, uh, Marcus Stripling seemed to be one of those guys on Saturday. Reggie Grimes, Reggie Grimes didn't come into the game until the final two or three offensive series for Cincinnati, and he made a difference. Like, he made an impact. And that was a dude that played probably as many snaps as anyone in that five-man rotation. And he was one of the last guys in. So I, I think they still want that rotation. It appeared to me the P.J. snaps came... Um, kind of at the behest of like a Trace Ford. I felt like I didn't see Ford as much. Bothroyd might have played his best game of the year. But I, I think you're going to see that rotation. Will he play more snaps? I mean, when the head coach comes out and says we need to play him more, I kind of think that's a pretty good indicator, isn't it? Typically, yeah, you would think so, that it means he's going to play more. He, he got, what, 22 this past week. Who Whose snaps would you like to hear about? Stripling had 22. Okay, see, I, I, now is that more than he's had in any game this year? Are you able to look at that quickly or no? I could find out for you. I feel like that's more than he's had in any game so far this year. But how many did Trace Ford have? Uh, like, hang like on 12? one second. Sorry. I wish I was cool enough to have a PFF login. I Maybe could probably send you this if you, if you would like nah, to No, 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 no. Don't worry about it. I, I guess my point is it's a good question. We all want to see him play more. Ten snaps. I bet that was the fewest he's had this year for Trace Ford. So, P.J. looks the part, man. He looks the part. And when you had Teddy talking about him from the first moment he saw him when fall camp started, that gave you a pretty good indication that this was going to be a guy that could be a difference maker as a freshman. we got a lot of good questions we need to get to. And perspective next on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We're going to hear from Emmett Jones, Sooner wide receivers coach. We're going to hear from Brandon Hall coming up to kick off next hour, including Emmett Jones' mindset on the mindset, a lot of mindsets here, he wants his receivers to have. You're going to love it. It's coming up on the wrap. All right, a uh, quick segment here to wrap up our number one of the Plank Show, live from Caven's e Disaster Response Group, Emergency Services 24-7-365. All right, the Kip Meyer Chevrolet text line, as it typically is on the show, has been really, really good so far at 405 651 Three four three nine. That is the best way to get in touch with the program. Any day, twenty four seven, three sixty five. Uh, I think, I think PJ about to put him away. Sounds like the right pronunciation of his name. It's from Cody Allen. Or PJ put him away, and Downs are playing lights out on the edges. There you go. There you go, Toby. You're welcome. Um. Miss R. and Norman writes, 
would the Pac-12's TV contract have been more lucrative if this year's success had happened last season? Would the conferences have stayed together? What do you think about that, Josh? If they would have had the success last year, would it have mattered? Well, you know, USC and UCLA are still gone. They're still leaving. So there's, you know, there's a couple of names to take off the board. Maybe a little bit, but I don't know a lot that if it would this, have. If this would have happened five years ago, yes. Yeah, if you had five years of this, sure. Absolutely. If this had happened five years ago, yes. I think the other part of it, if those who were involved in the process of negotiating a TV contract would not have been so smug, arrogant, and terrible at their jobs, the Pac-12 might still be together. Right? I mean, they had a deal equal to, if not slightly better than the Big 12s in front of them, and what did they do? Overplayed the hand. Overplayed the hand. Meanwhile, Brett, your mark in the Big 12, I mean, you guys can hate on the Big 12 all you want, but brilliantly said, yeah, we'll take that deal. And they have backed into a gold mine with Colorado, a gold mine. And everybody making excuses for them across the country? It's incredible. All right, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. The Emmett Jones wide receiver mindset clip will make your day and it's next.